This is the Albuquerque Business Podcast with your host, Jason Rigby. Each week, we interview leading local business leaders to inspire the vision and spirit that is in every entrepreneur, discussing strengths, weakness, strategies, systems, and the problems we can all solve together to fulfill a shared vision of a new future for Albuquerque. My name is Jason Rigby, and welcome to the Albuquerque Business Podcast. Today on our show, we have a very special guest. I don't want to give it away, but we are going to be talking about sales leadership and coaching with the author of the number one best-selling sales management book on Amazon for the last five years. This podcast has been brought to you by 99.9 The Beat FM and also Duke City Marketing for the latest state-of-the-art digital marketing agency here in Albuquerque, you can go to www.dukecitymarketing.com. Today, we have Keith Rosen. Keith is the CEO of Profit Builders, named one of the best sales training and coaching companies worldwide for the last four consecutive years. Over the last three decades, Keith has delivered his programs to hundreds of thousands of salespeople and managers in practically every industry worldwide on five continents and in over 50 countries. Keith has written several bestsellers, including the globally acclaimed Coaching Salespeople into Sales Champions, winner of five international best book awards, and the number one best-selling sales management book on Amazon for the last five years. As a leader in the coaching profession, Keith was inducted in the inaugural group of the Top Sales Hall of Fame and was also named the Sales Education Leader of the Year. Inc. Magazine and Fast Company named Keith one of the five most influential executive coaches. He has been featured in Entrepreneur, Inc., Fortune, The New York Times, Selling Power, CBS News, The Wall Street Journal, and Keith is one of the first out of only a handful of coaches who earned the Distinguished Master Certified Coach designation. And today on our show with Keith, we'll be discussing his newest book, Sales Leadership. It's an honor and a privilege to have you on our show today, Keith. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. Yes, and I wanted to kind of get a little bit, if you don't mind, a little bit about yourself, if you could get into that, and then we'll get into the sales leadership book. Sure. Uh, born and raised in New York. Uh, went to uh, school down at University of Maryland, where I uh, met my better half, my wife. And uh, when I was down in Maryland, also uh, started uh, a few businesses uh, at a point where we had built one organization uh, in the technology space, To uh, I was managing about 50 people. And... Uh, at that point, I actually read an article on coaching. It was one of the first articles. I'm going back over 30 years now. Uh, and I realized this was my purpose. This is my dharma. This is the reason why I was put on this planet, to help as many people become more successful in their personal and professional lives. So from a year of me reading that article, I sold my business interests to my partners and opened my practice, and that was 30 years ago. Oh, that's awesome. Well, let's get a little bit into, I know, um, I read this book. It's amazing. I've introduced it to a lot of entrepreneurs. I think it's it's great just not for sales managers or sales leaders out there, but it's also um, great for business owners. I want to get a little bit into your book. What is being a great sales leader? And just to your point, I want to echo what you said. I think it's so critical to reinforce that that even though the title is sales leadership, you can remove the word sales and it's just called leadership. And leadership does not only apply to what we do at our career, but also what we do at our home, in our community, um, with our friends and family. So I really think that's a really good point, Jason. I just wanted to make sure everyone heard that. And what makes a great sales leader? The, the number one word that just popped in my head is, is caring. Uh, and, I, and to take it to a, a deeper level, caring enough to put people over results. Mm. And a lot of visions 
on company walls state that and on their websites, but I know for a fact they're truly not living it because if they were, they'd be achieving certain results if they had a true high-performance, healthy coaching culture. So it starts with you know putting your people first, and a, a coaching culture really is a people culture. So if you think about it, who really creates the culture of any organization? It's the people. Well, if the people are the ones that are you know, def- defining the attitude and the attitude shapes the behavior. Behavior really defines the culture. And then, of course, follow that line of thinking to the culture determines success. Then the primary business objective isn't to hit your number. Business objective is to make your people more valuable every single day. And the byproduct of that is you get to hit your sales objective. Mm. And you, you had talked in the, in the book about the power of why with being a great sales leader. Can you explain that a little bit, Keith? Sure. There's two parts of what makes an exceptional sales leader. There's who they are and there's what they do. And you need to have both aligned because if you're only developing your mindset and not your skill set or vice versa, then you're only developing half the leader that you can be. And if you think about how many times uh, people have gone through, it doesn't business owner, manager, associate, independent contributor, VP of sales, CEO, if you think about any training that you've gone through, uh, many many times it's often the flavor of the month, mm-hmm. and you know people go through it and they get really excited about it, and then it kind of dies off. And I've heard this when I actually first started my career as a coach, and I was delivering a lot of sales co- training. And like a consummate salesperson myself and business owner, I would follow up about a week or so later and ask my clients, so oh, how's the coaching landing? How, how did the training land? And inevitably, the client would say, well, Keith, listen, your program was great, but you know how it is. Some people took what you shared and ran with it. Some people adopted some of the things that you shared, but most people fell back into their old habits. Mm. And this really bothered me because (laughs) like any salesperson or business owner, I want to deliver incredible value to every client. Right. And the more that I was working with salespeople and the more that I was working with managers, the missing link revealed itself. And the missing link is very simple. Uh, sales training doesn't develop champion leaders do. Right. And when managers learn how to truly understand what coaching is and have a framework to follow, and then you align it with who they are and now what they do, who they are is someone who cares, who they are is someone who's insatiably curious, who they are is someone who lives in the moment and is present in every conversation, who they are is someone who is process-driven and focuses on the path, not just the result, who they are is someone who demonstrates confidence and trust and authenticity. Notice that these are no go-dos here. These are all go-bees. And it's so much easier for them to wrap their head around, oh, here's the coaching framework, great, I could follow that. And then we talk about being present and being insatiably curious because, after all, beliefs precede experience. Right. You believe if you are someone who is insatiably curious by default, you're going to ask more and better questions. You're not going to make assumptions about every fact. You're going to assume, you're going to assess them, and that is part of coaching. So the funny thing is, is managers would say, Keith, I agree with you. I know I need to be more curious. I know I need to be more present. I know I need to be more confident. Now, how do I do that? <laughs> It's no go-do. It's a go-be. Right. I love what you wrote in the book here. You have the key to being a great leader is understanding what your people want and expect from you, but more important, why they want it. And for for me, that uh, could you explain that a little bit, like why they want it, the difference in that? Oh, my gosh. It is such a critical point. Really, really glad you brought this up. So the typical MO 
and when I say manager and salespeople and business owner, I'm almost using them interchangeably because they all, at the end of the day, have to learn how to coach. Whether right. you're coaching your customers, coaching your staff, coaching your, your sales. When it comes to point about setting alignment, and that's what we're talking about here, enrollment. How do you create alignment and buy-in around chain? And what most managers do, their typical MO is... Uh, if there's anything that someone needs to do or change or buy into or there was a comp plan change or there was a change in the territory or uh, there was a change in compliance or an HR or there's something that the manager needs that person to do better or, or try or do more of, I, what it typically sounds like is the manager going to the person and saying, okay, hey, listen, here's what's going on and this is what I need you to do, okay? And the recipient of that message, especially if it's a direct report, hmm. is going to sit there and say, okay, or maybe they might even challenge their manager and say, but, but why do we have to do this? Or why do I have to? And the manager typically would say, well, because it's your job and I told you to do it. <laughs> right. And every manager can play that power card, right, Jason? Every right. manager could do that. But the real value is in aligning what the manager wants with what each individual wants. And that's the power of enrollment and creating alignment between business objectives and personal goals. So now the conversation sounds different. It doesn't sound like, hey, here's what I need you to do because I told you so. It's, hey, here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. And here's what's in it for you. Mm. And when you align those business objectives with what people really want in their lives, well, now you've exponentially increased the impact and buy-in and alignment of what that person is willing to commit to because they see at the end of it, they're the WIFM, right? W-I-I-F-M, what's right. in it for me? That's what they're tuned into. Mm-hmm. And customers are tuned into it, and so are, is every internal customer, every employee. And when you are able to align that, now you have a unified front of people working towards the same shared goal. Yeah, that's amazing. And because I, I, I know in your book, you were talking about what actually transforms an organization. And I know you just gave a little bit about that with the difference between managing and transforming. Can you go into a little bit about, you know, especially for a, a business owner, uh, you know, not just a sales manager, but a business owner, what will transform their organization? The one thing that will transform their organization, it starts with them. You know, mm. avalanches roll downhill. <laughs> right. So it, it's always interesting when uh, companies come to me or a director or a business owner, uh, and they would say, hey, Keith, listen, you know, we know we're not coaching. We're trying to. Clearly, we're not getting the results we want. Uh, numbers are slipping. We have a little, our attrition's a little high. Yeah, we really need your help. And, you know, there's a lack of trust on the teams and there's not there's not a lot of empowerment going on and kind of have like a fear-based, result-driven culture, which, by the way, is the majority of companies out there. Of course. And I'll talk to the manager and the manager will say, well, Keith, what do I need to do? You know, how do I change all this? My first response is look in the mirror, man. Hmm. Because avalanches roll downhill. It starts from the top. Whether you're the CEO, business owner, manager, you create the culture. And so I'll give you the good news and the bad news here for every business owner and manager is every problem you run into your business and within your people, it's your fault. Hey, listen, I got to tell the truth. I'm not paid to be popular, Jason. (laughs) But here's the good news. The good news is every single problem that you run into in in your business is your fault, which means the leaders have the power to make the change. Change always starts with you. I remember uh, a quick story. I was I was in the airport. It was probably going back ten years ago, and I ran into uh, a client, a sales manager who I had been working with for about a year or so. 
we hadn't spoken in a couple of years, so we started chatting, and so I asked her, so how are things going? And she said to me, Keith, you know, things are finally getting better. Now, of course, I'm a coach. I had to ask, being curious, how do you mean things are getting better? You know, why? What's changed? And her response, which is still so rare today, was, because, Keith, I'm getting better. Mm. And that's the mantra of leadership in any way, shape, or form. If we want people to change, if we want people to be more accountable, if we want people to be transparent, be more vulnerable, be more trusting, be more coachable, be open to feedback, be open to collaboration, change starts with a leader. Mm, I love that. You just mentioned culture, and I, 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 this part here in your book I think is probably one of the most wake-up calls that I've talked to other business leaders because I always give your book out. I always tell them, I'll say, open your Kindle app right now and buy this book. But I, I love this statement right here. It says, your culture sucks. Your people are disengaged <laughs> because they're not coached effectively. You're only maximizing about – this is a, a startling number. You're only maximizing about 40% of their potential, and you're spending most of your time focused on the wrong activities. In short – you've lost sight of your top priority, your people. Can That's you explain powerful. that a little bit? I, I, you know, everybody's with data mindsets and we all look at reports and that 40%, can you go into that a little bit? Oh yeah, I, I could even go deeper and broader on that one. Uh, after, when I was doing my research for sales leadership, uh, and the big difference in this book is it's really a chronological path to progress and success to not only roll out a coaching initiative and sure it's implemented uh, and embedded and sustained for the long term. But first chapter is, okay, w wait a second, before we start making you a world-class coach, is your company even ready? Is mm. your company even coachable? Right. Is, you know, what's your company ecosystem? What's your company's DNA? Uh, have, you, have you, the universal you, the company, really thought through about the foundation you need in order to build upon that to, to really transform a culture. So when you, when you hear statistics like that, you know, that's when you have to look in the mirror of the company and say, are we ready for this or we really need this so we're open for change? Mm. And just to build on that statistic, Jason, I'll share some other shocking ones. One in 10 managers have the skills to effectively manage, which costs companies, get this, billions of dollars a year. Wow. So just got off the phone with uh, another company, and uh, it's actually a company I've invested in, and uh, I was talking to the, to the founder, and he says, oh, Keith, you know, we have every pro process under the sun. You know, with your help, we built out the sales process. Salespeople know what to do. You have tons of videos, tons of reinforcement tools, tons of training. And my next question was, and what do you have for your managers? Mm. Nothing. Wow. Nothing. But yet, <laughs> it's the managers that are the ones that are constantly interacting with their people, constantly communicating with them. The manager is the culture, and the manager is either creating a culture of results and KPIs and scorecards, or they're creating a culture of being open and transparent and collaborative and you know, really focused on supporting each person to be the coach for each of them. You know, because coaching really is just a language. It's the universal language of development, of learning, and of change. You know, and when everyone learns this language, that's when a true coaching culture emerges. So when you listen to, when you hear statistics like this, clearly these managers, they don't know how to communicate like a leader. Many, most of the time, I should say, um, that's what I work on with a lot of managers is not only shifting their mindset, but shifting the way they, they engage. You, know, you, train, you change the conversation, you change the outcome, but managers don't know how to change their conversation. 
that's where, to your point, enrollment comes into play and using the language of leadership, which is coaching. Now, let's build off that last statistic. 70% of employees are actively disengaged. Okay, let's marry these two together here. So <laughs> I don't think we all, we all need to be uh, PhDs to figure out this one. 70% of employees are actively disengaged, but only, and one, only one out of 10 managers have the skills to effectively manage. <laughs> Yeah, that, I think there's a correlation here. That's a huge... Uh, and I'll throw something else out. You might find uh, it's, uh, it's, it's actually sad, but um, make a little chuckle out of this here. 58% of employees trust strangers more than their boss. Wow. That's sad. Yeah, that is super sad. What I find interesting is, basically, I would trust an Uber driver who I've never met in my life <laughs> right. more than my boss. Yeah, that's amazing. And you know, you because you write this in the book, and I, and I want people to understand the parallel of this. You said new systems, processes, or technology do not transform your organization; they help manage it. That's why you must start by transforming your people. Can you talk about going down the like a manager that is listening to this? Can you talk right now? Can you talk about those two pathways that you can go down with that? Sure. So, and please rule me in if if you need to. So it, from, from a top level, uh, managers, l- let's talk about one of the mantras of coaching here. Managers coach the result. Eh, wrong answer. Hmm. You don't coach the result. Right. You coach the process, not the result. Hmm, that's good. So you coach not the result, you coach the process. What does that mean? You coach the who, you coach the how, you coach the why, you coach the skill, you coach the language, the communication. After all, the best leaders and best salespeople are the best communicators. Right. Okay. So what managers wind up doing is because they live in that KPI result-driven culture, and it's, and it's unfortunately it's a global epidemic, and, and it's a universal conundrum when you as a leader or a salesperson or a business owner, you have targets on your back, you have numbers to reach, you have you know, revenue targets to hit. Um, how can you not be result-driven? But here's the problem that creates the very mindset that creates more problems managers actually want to avoid. It's a paradox. Because if I'm so result-driven, that means every conversation, I'm going to drive my own agenda because we need a result. I'm not coaching the process anymore. And a lot of times managers run around their team and they're just thinking, okay, I'm going to hold my team accountable. I'm going to motivate them. I'm going to, I'm going to go around my team and I'm going to tell them, hey, hey, Jason, you, you, you know your numbers, right? You know your quota. Hey, Billy, you know your numbers, your quota. Hey, hey, Jen, you know the number of calls you have to make and the number of meetings you have to have this week, right? Okay, fantastic. Well, guess what? Managers think that's motivating and holding people accountable. It's just painfully annoying. Right. <laughs> it's not exactly. helping them. It's not giving value. People are smart. You know, if you hire correctly, they know what their goals are. Reminding them of their goals doesn't make it manifest anymore, which is why managers need to bring that conversation to the beginning. How are we going to get there? We know where we need to get. Now, how are we going to get there? What's the mindset and what's the skill set we need to develop in order to achieve that? Yeah, that's awesome. I, I love this quote you said, dysfunctional culture is a byproduct of the primary directive to achieve results. Yeah, and and uh, it's, it's keeping me busy, I'll tell you that. But by default, in there, and unfortunately, there, there are so many additional costs uh, personally when leaders and salespeople and business owners, and with all pure of heart, good people, good intentions, mm-hmm. they become victims of this, this result-driven culture. And what's really, really sad is if you think about it, just to get a little cerebral on you here, 
is if you look at the three points of time, the past, the present, and the future, if you are result-driven and you are striving to achieve something, you're living at what point in time mentally? Right. Living in the future, right? Okay. Well, if now, granted, we could all agree we physically exist in the moment, but I would tell anyone listening right now and challenge them, 95% of your waking hours, you're either, you're either living in the past or you're living in the future. Right. At what cost? Mm-hmm. Your life, the present. So the occupational hazard here is managers and people in, in every organization are so driven to achieve a result, by default, they're living in the future. Well, guess what? If you're living in the future, you can't coach because coaching happens in the moment. And if coaching, by my definition, is the art of creating new possibilities, well, let's break that down. Active listening doesn't happen in the future or the past. It happens in the moment. Creation happens in the moment. Possibilities are manifested in the moment. So if you're in the future, well, you're not creating anymore. You're driving your own agenda. You're probably driving your own expectation. And you're not creating any new outcome that would generate a greater result. So if actually, I remember a manager saying this is, Keith, if I was to connect the dots here, basically being present drives revenue. Right. And I'm like, that, that is absolutely true. Because if you're present, you're able to listen. If you're listening, you're going to be able to get to root cause. You're going to be asking questions at a deeper level. You're going to have that person self-reflect more. They're going to recognize their own gaps, whether it's in their action, uh, whether it's in their activity, skill, or mindset. That's how, you, that's how you coach. That's how you shift people and transform co- people into, you know, the me- mediocre performing into, into champions. Yeah, and it, it's and interesting. that can only happen if you're living in the moment. And it amazes me how many sales managers are out there that are, you know, are entrepreneurs that are out there working the six days a week, 15-hour days, um, responding to emails, you know, every few seconds, even on their day off on Sunday. Uh it's this whole rat race of this trying to achieve results and this not just a dysfunctional culture, but like you said, trying to live up to this future expectation. Can we shift this around and you explain what a healthy culture, uh, coaching culture looks like and mm. the business DNA of that? Yeah, yeah. So there, there's a, a, a paradox I'd like to share. Um, and, I, and there are a lot of paradoxes and which really helps people expand their peripheral view of, of what's really possible. So, so many people are, are kind of like black and white, either or absolute thinkers. Well, it's mm-hmm. either this or that. Well, either I'm coaching them and killing them with questions, or I'm just going to keep being the chief problem solver and telling them what to do. Well, no. And, and now when it comes to, wait a second, Keith, you're telling me not to focus on my goals? No, I didn't say that. Are you telling me the goals and results and KPIs and scorecards aren't important? I didn't say that either. What I did say is that for you to achieve that, you need to bring yourself back into the moment because that's where life happens. Right. That's where coaching happens. That's where people's professional development happens and breakthroughs happen. So here's the paradox or the duality. Be mindful of the future. Those are your goals while being engaged in the moment. Mm, it's a duality. It's two conflicting truths that coexist. Right. Be mindful of the future. Okay, I'm not saying abandon your goals. You need that. That's your North Star while being engaged in the moment. Yeah, I love that. And that's a, that's a fundamental mindset, as we've mentioned several of them, that kind of, uh, to your point, bleeds into creating a great culture. Um, another great culture is, uh, another sign of a great culture is low attrition. Uh, and when I say great culture, I'm talking great coaching culture here. Low attrition. The managers have actually been trained and developed on how to coach. 
the company has a universal framework and methodology and definition of coaching everyone shares. People come to work feeling happy and fulfilled. They feel like they're making a difference. Managers actually know what motivates their people uh, at a deeper level than just the paycheck because salespeople are not all coin-operated. <laughs> right. uh, there is no more departmental silos. People are working together in cross-functional teams. Managers are not only coaching their direct reports, but their direct reports are coaching their managers. Peer-to-peer coaching is going on every day because everyone needs to be coached consistently and everyone needs to coach consistently. And when that starts happening, sales cycles get short. More sales are closed. Upselling and cross-selling opportunities are discovered more and more because of what we talked about in terms of being present. People are happier. They want to be part of the culture. They want to be at work. There's a level of transparency and trust. There's no more worries about I hope this person do, you know, it doesn't understand my intentions or doesn't, doesn't understand my intentions because everyone is coming from the right place. There's truly a shared vision that wasn't created by some HR company or, you know, uh, or by, by marketing, but a vision that the company and the people created and they were part of. You know, when those things are happening and managers are spending the majority of time developing their people rather than putting out fires, that's when you know a true coaching culture is emerging. That's amazing, that vision there that you just put out. I, I love how you wrote in your book, you said, it's one where people feel their workplace, like their home, is a safe place to live by their values and authentically express themselves. I got to tell you, did I, this is really good stuff. Did I, are you sure I wrote all this stuff? <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where once you write a book as an author, you, you get into the book because you feel like you have a calling and a message uh, and a passion of wanting to either deliver a story or, or share something that could truly impact people's lives in such a positive way. And that has always been my inspiration for writing. But then when the book is done, and then you turn it into the editor, and then all that logistical stuff kicks oh, in, right, and right. the rewriting, and the editing, and then I was in the Audible studio, which was a whole other experience <laughs> in and of itself. You know, once that book's done, Jason, you kind of don't want to look at it anymore. Right. As an author. So I appreciate you reminding me of the content that I created. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine in the Audible studio, you're like, everybody needs to pay $500 for this book for the amount of time I spend in it. Oh, my gosh. And I listen, I wouldn't trade it for a world, as a matter of fact. It's not like they pay a lot of money to get people in at an hour rate. But I said, guys, you don't have to pay me a penny. I want my voice on that because uh, the mistake I made with coaching salespeople into sales champions was I wasn't even aware at that point I had an option to do the voiceover. And this time I said, I am doing it because it was the one complaint I heard from people about the Audible. They said, Keith, that's so not you because they don't know your content. And listening to you on sales leadership, oh my gosh, it's like it's night and day. I mean, your passion is there. You see you own your content. And it's just a total experience for the listeners. And that's what I really wanted to make for them to make sure it just really resonates with them at a deeper level. That, that, yeah, that's awesome. I always encourage everybody to download the Audible and when they're at the gym to listen. I, I think it's important grab this book on the Audible. Uh, you heard it now. You know, you put this vision out just now that sounds amazing. I know every sales manager, entrepreneur, business owner is thinking, wow, you know, how could I do that? But as you wrote in your book, that one statement comes up, well, I don't have time for that. How would you address that? Uh, I start off with a question. How do you change a culture? How do you transform talent? one person at a time, mm. one conversation at a time. 
And when you're dealing with, with people that look at their company and say, oh, my gosh, you know, trying to turn our company culture, it's like, it's like listening to Keith, it's, like, it's going to be like turning a battleship. And it can be very overwhelming. So how do you change a culture? How do you transform talent? One person at a time, one conversation at a time. And I'm going to share right now uh, a strategy that anyone can use today, right now, to start coaching. And you don't have to go through my whole coach training program, and you don't have to follow my framework. You just have to come from a place of positive intent and care and seek to understand and really care about what the other person thinks and to understand their point of view. And this is what it sounds like. One of your direct reports comes, let's set the stage. One of your direct reports comes to the manager. Manager has a choice. They're at a crossroad. They can, make, they can go left and be the, the chief problem solver and just keep solving everyone's problems, which doesn't develop people at all. In fact, it just makes them more dependent on mm-hmm. the manager, and you can't scale dependency. Right. Or you go to the right and say, okay, I'm going to coach because I know that if they create the answer, they own it, and what people create, they own, and what they hear, they resist. So if they own it, they're going to act on it. And that's where the accountability builds in. So here's the 60-second coaching strategy. It's probably less. Direct report comes to me with a problem, challenge. Hey, boss, can you help me? Here's my response. Hey, Jason, of course I'm happy to share my opinion with you. However, you're much closer to this situation than I am, and I trust you and I trust your judgment on this. So what's your opinion on how to move forward and resolve this? Mm, That's good. I think that was under a minute, right, Jason? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So let's break that down. What did I do? Number one, um, I acknowledge that I'm still going to give the person what they want, which is my opinion, because that's what every direct report wants from their manager. Number two, however, I acknowledge their position that they're closer to this than I am. They know more about it than me. I'm not going to be presumptuous enough to think that I know more about it than them. And I mentioned specifically I trust them. Saying that builds trust and confidence in people because a lot of times people don't know if their boss trusts them or not. We just talked about that in a statistic. And now here comes that, that extra part which changes everything. What's your opinion on how to handle this? Mm. Do you notice what I didn't say? Right. I didn't say what's the solution. I didn't say what's, what's the best strategy. What's the answer? Because strategies, solutions, and answers can be right or wrong. Opinions are never right or wrong. And remember, leadership, the language of leadership, the language of selling is coaching. So every word counts. When I ask someone, what's, what's your solution, what's your strategy, they can look at me and say, I don't know. When I look at someone and ask them, hey, what's your opinion on this? They can't look at me and say, well, I don't know my opinion, because everyone has one, whether it's on food or sports or culture or selling or relationships or travel or anything. People have an opinion, not right or wrong, but it's that in 60 seconds, you're building trust and you're empowering that person to share with you what they perceive to be a great answer. And if it's not fully baked, now you know what they know and you know what they missed. So the rest of the conversation isn't about beating them up for not knowing it. It's about, hey, thanks for sharing your opinion. Let's walk through your strategy together, see how it could play out and make sure it's going to achieve the results you want second part just now becomes a collaboration between the manager, the coach, and the coachee. That is a strategy anyone could use today. Yes, that's immediate. Use it now. I love that, your opinion. That, that just takes all the pressure off. And I know you talk about that in your book with that. I, just, I, I was talking with an owner of an automotive group the other day, and they were talking about how archaic their sales process is in the automotive industry. And I, I was sharing your book with them, and I was talking about you have something in there called uh, a term called consultative sales coaches. Can you explain that a little bit? Yes, gladly. Uh, I, I'm really happy to announce um, I finally am pioneering the breakthrough uh, in sales training and development, which is um, quite s- simply this. 
the evolution of sales training and salespeople are salespeople transforming into consultative sales coaches mm. because now they can coach their customers to succeed. And there is a distinction between selling and coaching. When I work with managers, it's inevitable that one of the managers would eventually say something like this. You know, Keith, we've been working together for two days. We're talking about the art of the question. We're talking about being present. We're talking about how to follow a process to create a new possibility using the right questions at the right time. We talk about the importance of detaching from the outcome and really focusing on the needs of the other person. We talk about making sure that we're not driving our own agenda. You know, what doesn't apply to sales? Right. What happened was, uh, years ago, I started this new movement, if you call it, and it's changing cultures even more so because now everyone is speaking the language of coaching. And it also solves the universal challenge of, oh my gosh, I just promoted a top salesperson for a ma- to a manager and they're failing. Well, if your salespeople are now know how to coach, when they are now ready for that next step in their career as a manager, they already know how to coach. They already know how to lead. And, and that is how the, a true coaching culture emerges. Yeah, that's amazing. Think that, that you could have that reproduction like that. Oh, and, and if everyone is not a coach, then you cannot sustain that. Right. If there are only certain people that are coaches, you know, first of all, you can't scale that. And there are some companies that have internal coaches, and I'm an advocate of that. I think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, I think there, and there are other companies that hire external coaches and offer that to their people, and that's fantastic. And they're also ahead of the curve. But the real evolution is when every single person in the organization is coaching and knows how to coach, understands it, because it's, it's coaching is caring, and it's the, it's the most effective way to support and get the best out of others. That's amazing. I wanted to ask you a question concerning this. How do you prepare people for this change? Are we talking manager to team? Yes. Or yeah, me it, to manager? Uh, manager to team, like okay, specifics, as it would be a business owner or an entrepreneur. Okay, so let's, let's paint the stage, and, and again, Jason, feel free to jump in anytime and cut me off. Uh, let's say, no, 99% of most managers are the chief problem solver. That is, the chances are they walked in their direct report shoes so that they know, they know their role. Of course, they were never trained how to be a great coach. So when their people come to them, of course, we just shared with them a great coaching strategy to use. But the typical MO for managers is, okay, you share me a pro- with a problem. This is, this is what you should do. Mm-hmm. I've been in your role. I know how to handle it. And this is the right way. Now, when managers do that, they're actually, again, creating the very thing they want to avoid. They're developing mini-me's. They're robbing people of accountability. And they're shooting, S-H-O-U-L-T-I-N-G, <laughs> on their people. Right. And when you should on someone, you're just driving your own agenda and making people wrong. So how do you then prepare people for change? If that's how you were, and you go to this course, and now you've transformed, and you've seen that, you know, that quintessential proverbial coaching light, and you know this is not only what you have to do to become a, a transformational leader, this is what you want to do, because you've seen the value of being coached and coaching firsthand. So now you go out and you go back to your team. But you don't tell them that you went to this course. They just know that you were out for a couple of days. Right. And now your people come to you, and as far as they're concerned, that you didn't change. They didn't change either. So they go to their manager, and they expect the answer. But instead of the manager giving the answer, they start asking really good questions like, so help me understand the objective you're going after here. Where do you want to be when you get to the other side of this challenge? 
What's the end result or goal you want to achieve? What have you tried so far? Walk me through the conversation you just had with that customer. What assumptions might you be making around the situation or that customer? Mm. What opinions do you have around moving forward to create the results you want? People are going to look at you and be like, what did you do with my manager? <laughs> are you schizophrenic? Are you their evil clone? Why are you asking me all these questions? Uh, I don't understand. Am I getting fired? Am I in trouble? <laughs> are you putting me on a performance improvement plan? And, and even though the manager is coming from the right place, they never prepare their people for change. Right. And if you don't prepare people for change, no matter what it is, the human condition, people default to fear. Mm-hmm. And all that's needed for that manager is to simply use the enrollment steps we talk about, which is, hey, here's what we're doing. I just learned how to be a better manager and coach for you. I think I actually owe you an apology because you know what? I think I've done you a disservice in the way I've been managing you. And I've learned how to be a better manager and coach so that you can achieve the goals you want. And listen, we're both going through this learning curve together. So I'm going to want to be coached by you and get your feedback as much as I'll be coaching you as well, as this is something we're, we're going to be learning together and I'm not going to get it right the first time. Are you open to setting up the foundation and expectations of coaching, uh, come up with a universal definition of what it is and how it can make it as valuable for you as possible? Now I know what you're doing, why you're doing it, and what's in it for me. Now I'm ready to have the conversation with you, boss. I know your positive intent. And people will always assume negative intent unless the manager or anyone is clear about setting positive intent. Once you enroll and people are aligned, you can pretty much get away with anything because they know your intentions are pure. Yeah, that, that, that's amazing. I think that describes perfectly what the change is. Well, I want to be respectful of your time, Keith. I know you're extremely busy. I did want to, speaking of working on yourself, uh, on your bio you said that, and I have done this too. I haven't done it in a while, but it said that you do hot yoga. How, how does, you know, like as far as a leader, if you're a leader out there, how does hot yoga or going to the gym or doing any of these things uh, help you as a leader? You know, thank you for asking me that. I, I probably had 30 interviews in the last two months, and you're the first person to ask <laughs> me that. So I got to tell you, I admire you for that because it is so critical. You're not just a leader at work. You're a leader at home. Mm-hmm. And I take being a leader and a coach very seriously. And to me, I believe, you know, the best leaders are the ones that model what is possible for others to achieve. And I feel, and again, this is my own personal feeling. And I feel I'd be a hypocrite if I'm coaching someone on getting in great shape or eating healthy if I'm not. Right. I feel like a hypocrite if I was coaching someone on making a great living uh, or ha- creating a great career and, and a great income if I don't have that. Right. I'd, feel, I'd feel off or out of integrity if I'm coaching people on, on their interpersonal relationships and mine aren't. So I think, you know, and I take that to heart, you know, the best coaches are the best models for for other people and for what's possible for them to achieve. So in terms of bringing that down to taking care of yourself, one of the things that I coach people on all the time is extreme, not just self-care, extreme self-care. Mm. You know, you may be familiar with that air, airplane analogy when you're, when you're uh, sitting in, the, uh, in, in, the air, in, in your seat and, and before takeoff, the, they get up and the attendant says, okay, uh, in the unlikely event of uh, an emergency, the overhead compartment will open up and the oxygen mask will fall. And then, then they say, uh, okay, it, you know, if you're sitting next to a child, please put your mask on first before helping others. Right. And there's a reason for that, because 
you can't help others unless you take care of yourself first. Mm, that's so good. And I see so many managers, and it saddens me how, like, Keith, I'm working, to your point, I'm working 16 hours a day, seven days a week, sacrificing my family. I'm sacrificing my health, and it doesn't have to be that way. And coaching truly is the answer to that. It shifts the entire paradigm of leadership and, and what your days look like. It shifts it entirely around. I make it a point when I'm coaching managers on time management, real simple. If you don't have the appointment, you don't have the commitment. So I ask, do you have self-care time in there? Whether it's gym time, whether it's yoga time, whether it's meditation time, 95% of managers will say no. I'll say, well, then of course it's going to be the first thing that you're not going to do. It's not in your routine. So I think it's imperative to be a great leader. You need to be in great mental shape, spiritual shape, emotional shape, physical shape. That, to me, is you're now modeling what great leaders can be and do in every area of your life. Listen, you need a lot of energy to be a manager. You need a lot of energy to be a salesperson. You know, and it makes it very difficult to take care of others if you're not taking care of yourself. Exactly. I'm going to ask you this last question, and then we'll be uh, done with the podcast. You said something oh, that... I'm so sorry to cut you off, Jason. You did ask me about hot yoga. Oh, yes, yes. Sorry, I didn't want to step over that. So I actually wrote an article about how hot yoga will make you a better leader. And, and real, real quickly, and some of the uh, analogies that I drew to it is, you know, you're walking into a room that's 112 degrees, uh, high humidity. Okay, well, sometimes as a manager, you're walking into a room that's 112 <laughs> degrees with high humidity based on the atmosphere and the situation right. that you're dealing with, which could possibly be a challenge or an upset. So what's the first thing you need to learn? How to calm yourself, mm. how to manage your physical and emotional state. Well, then the first thing the instructor says is, okay, everyone, set your intention for the next hour. Now, think about it. We talked about before, we're, we're living in the past, we're living in the future, everywhere but the present. Well, everyone in there would agree that, you know, you're walking in there, you, you thought about what you did before, you're thinking about what you have to do after your yoga class. But as soon as that instructor says, set your intentions for the next hour, for me, it clears everything out of my head, and it's about being present in the moment. Mm. So again, you need to be present to right. be a great leader, be a great salesperson, as well as to enhance the quality of your life, because life happens now, not yesterday or tomorrow. <laughs> right. uh, and, and then finally, you know, it forces you to do things that are unnatural and uncomfortable. Some of the poses, you don't, I mean, the first week or so, you're not even doing poses. You're just, used, you're just trying to get used to the heat. Right. And then you'll start doing a couple poses, and eventually it's one of those things like golf you never master. But you're learning these poses, and you're doing things that are uncomfortable that you've never tried before. Well, guess what coaching is all about? Mm -hmm. Okay, unless the manager has truly gone through a coach training program and has, has been coached by a master certified coach, which I take to heart, which I am, it's very difficult for them to grow as, as a coach. So, you know, here I am in hot yoga classes, and I'm learning being present, reinforcing how to manage my emotional and physical and mental state, realizing that some of these poses are uncomfortable, but we need to stretch out outside of our comfort zone if we want to create new results. You know, I tell managers all the time, when we're, if you're a right-handed person during the time together, I'm tying your right hand behind your back, and I'm asking you to write left-handed mm. because that's what this will feel like because managers are so used to giving out answers and driving things, and this goes against that, but for the better. And that's why I say the million-dollar question in the morning that managers ask is not, what do I need to do to achieve my business objectives today? 
the million dollar question managers need to ask is, what do I need to do to make my people more valuable today than they were yesterday? Mm, Everybody needs to put that on their phone as a screensaver. Take this uh, recording, go back, listen to that, and type that out and put it on my phone. Well, Keith, I want to ask you one last question. Please. You, You say in your book, literature, music, and the arts is the universal language for peace. And then you talk about coaching mirroring that. Can you explain that a little? Yeah, so I'm fanatical about music, arts, and culture. Uh, I feel blessed that I've been able to travel the world and experience not only different company cultures, but more so different geographic cultures, whether that was in India or Saudi or Dubai or Africa or South America or, you know, UK, Germany, it doesn't matter where I've traveled in all these amazing countries, I can keep going and going. I mean, I did, I can name 75, and every single one of them was incredible and amazing, and I've learned so much. And when I go, I truly, I don't go and sit in a, in a ho- hotel while I'm there. I always build in time to be out there and immerse myself with the people and learn about themselves and learn about their culture and walk into any mosque or church or temple that I could see or Hindu temple that I I could see because I'm fascinated and I have such a deep respect for culture and for religion because the more that I study that, the more that I realize we are all the same. Mm. Every single person wants to make a difference in the world. Every single person wants to have love in their life and Mm -hmm. love their family. Every single person wants to take care of their family. Every single person wants to do right in their community and make a contribution. Every single person wants to be happy and fulfilled. I've yet to meet someone who doesn't want that wherever they're from in the world. So if we are truly all the same, you know, that's why I say the arts and music, they are the gateway to peace. They are the gateway because this is universal language. There's an E chord in every type of music. You look at coaching, to me, coaching is that chord, if you will. Mm. Coaching is truly a universal language. And that's why I say, imagine if, you know, and we're not even going to go down this path, but imagine if every politician truly came from the place that we've talked about today. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah, I couldn't even imagine that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I say world peace can actually be possible. Right, through coaching. That's amazing. And and thank you, Keith. If somebody wanted to learn more about coaching, uh, what's your website, social media? Sure. Feel free to jump on KeithRosen.com. Tons of articles and templates and tools and strategies on coaching and leadership and videos. So please take advantage of all of them. And, uh, you know, feel free if you have any questions, you can ping me off my website or, you know, uh, Jason, between you and me, I'll share my personal email. Just make sure you don't tell anyone. It's uh, uh, KeithR at KeithRosen.com. So uh, in case anyone is listening and heard that, we'll keep it to ourselves. Feel free to reach out anytime. Are you active on like Instagram or Twitter or Facebook? Uh, very active on uh, on LinkedIn. I would say uh, please reach out and ping me on LinkedIn or uh, follow me on Twitter. I actually have more content there that I don't include on my website. Oh, that's perfect. And if they just type in Keith Rosen, they'll see that. Oh, yes, they certainly will. Oh, perfect. Well, I want to thank you, Keith. I appreciate it. I've learned so much from your book. I tell everyone about it. I think for me coming from the sales management side and then becoming an entrepreneur and starting a business, your book has helped me out tremendously. I think it's, like you said, a vision for the future of what leadership should be. And I appreciate that and appreciate you, you know, taking the time to be able to put this out there to the world and for making effective leaders in businesses. And I hope everyone will subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, tune in, and you can also go to our website uh, at abqpodcast.com. And thanks, Keith. I really appreciate you joining me today. Deeply my pleasure, and I wish you and I wish 
all of your listeners extreme success. Awesome. Well, thank you, sir. Have a good day. Thank you for joining us on the Albuquerque Business Podcast. And thank you to our sponsor, DukeCityMarketing.com. Please go to abqpodcast.com where you can get show notes, resources, and links to everything we talked about today to help you navigate your journey as an entrepreneur and business owner in Albuquerque.